Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1992 film A League of Their Own. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. talking baseball i'm here with paddy johnson talking baseball i can't think of another line but i thought you'd appreciate that yeah that song just always makes me think of the simpsons episode with all the 90s baseball players in it which i think is actually one of the reasons that i like got into interested in baseball i've always had like a vague interest in it since i was a kid and if you want to know the story of why i'm interested in baseball you can read my book stealing home volume one rookie season but um, there's that episode is like it showed me so much about baseball and about America. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yes, yeah. One of the greatest, Homer at the Bat. That's the one. Yeah. Um, I love that Ozzy Smith falls into the mystery spot, and <laughs> and <laughs> Wade Boggs gets beaten up by Barney, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. Um, truly, truly great, and it's got that wonderful scene where the kids are shouting abuse at Daryl Strawberry, and he starts crying a single tear of sadness. Yeah, <laughs> funnily enough, Daryl Strawberry is now like a a fundamentalist religious um, Christian pastor. No way, really. Yeah, yeah. But in the 1980s, when he played for the Mets, he was famous for having relations with women in the locker rooms in between innings. Ah, it's the old switcheroo. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's, a, he's a changed man. I'm just reading up on him now. Good name as well, isn't it? Daryl Strawberry. Like, if you were going to come up with a guy, that's a name you'd think of, right? That that's is a, name a really good name, isn't it? That should have been James Bond's name. Yeah. Strawberry. Name Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> I'll have a strawberry milkshake. Shaken, not stirred. Yeah, I mean, who stirs a milkshake, right? A milk, a milk stir. What is that? That sounds like some awful British equivalent of an American drink, doesn't yeah. it? Stirred milk. I'll have a, I'll have a turnip milk stir, please, <laughs> you... of extra Worcestershire sauce. No, I don't mind Worcestershire sauce, but turnips. Oh, Worcester, Worcestershire sauce, right? Little, little drops of Worcestershire sauce on your cheese on toast. That is a top tier. Yes. Delicious meal. That is one of the things that Liam Perrin's got right about their marketing. There was a very famous Liam Perrin's advert, wasn't there, where they, it was just like a kind of close-up food porn picture of someone pouring someone some cheese and toast and it going in the oven. That's the most effective advert I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks delicious. And then you try it and you know what? The advert's right. It is delicious. Yeah. The most lovely food. But turnips um, also good, and a little bit of sp- uh, spaghetti bolognese, a little bit of Worcestershire sauce. Absolutely, add a little je ne sais quoi to your spag. Hundred percent. But yeah, I don't know if I've ever knowingly eaten a turnip, and I can't say I have any desire to, if I'm honest. Although I might be forced to. <laughs> That's all we'll, all we'll have. American listeners, we've um, got a food crisis in this country because of Brexit, and don't let anyone tell you other- otherwise. Um, and one of the things we can't get is tomatoes. And the government said, we'll just eat turnips instead because um, we produce those here in the UK instead of importing them. The funny thing is, 
UK turnip farmers aren't making turnips anymore because they can't get the staff because of Brexit. Lol. <laughs> we're we're a very serious country. A real serious um, nation. Yeah. Do you remember the rumour that went round that actually McDonald's apple pies used turnip instead because it was cheaper and they just put in apple flavouring? <laughs> no. As if apples aren't cheap and abundant. <laughs> Yeah, we do actually grow apples in this country, believe it or not. They do actually grow <laughs> on trees here. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Um, what's your favourite root vegetable? Um, good question. I quite like a parsnip. Nothing wrong with a parsnip. Parsnips are good, yeah. There's a lot like you can do with them. They're quite versatile. More versatile than you mm. think. Yeah, no, parsnips are good. Parsnips quite. are good. Parsnip soup is very tasty. I do not care for beetroots. They, they are disgusting. No, beetroots are bad. They're, they're they're bad stuff. A beet. Really smell, they stain everything. And you find they're cropping up in things like chocolate cake with beetroot. Whoever, whoever came up with that is a psychopath. <laughs> well, no, actually, um, that is a, a vegan alternative and a gluten-free alternative sometimes is used. Right, okay. Um, it, it, it recreates the consistency of, of using an egg in baking. Right. And it, I think it's also used in gluten-free because it interacts with gluten-free flour okay. in a in a similar way um so it's and and what you'll find is that if you eat a cake with beetroot used as one of the baking ingredients without knowing that it's a beetroot cake you won't notice it right okay um because um it's it's used basically as an ingredient the same way that um jackfruit's used in vegan cooking to replace things like oh, yeah, i love a jackfruit I'm down with jackfruit. Yeah, it's it's a similar kind of thing where it's just there to soak in the flavours of other things. Jackfruit. Isn't um, that, that that Christmas movie about the evil snowman? <laughs> Jack No, but that was the that was the um summertime sequel. Yeah. Yeah, Jack Frost, and then when he went on holiday to Barbados, it was Jackfruit. It's literally just like a, a snowman with a pair of sunglasses on it. <laughs> have you ever seen a jackfruit? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think I have. I have. They're quite weird. Um, oh, so I've told the story before about um, on my honeymoon in Hawaii. We um, when we uh, I might have told you this story before. I'm sure I have. But when we got there, we'd been awake for 26 hours. So we then had to get the hire car from the airport to drive to the place we were staying. And I drove off with the boot open, and one of our suitcases fell off on the highway, and we didn't realize until we got there. Luckily, it didn't have any like valuables in it. It just had there was like mm. a hand my wife's mm. hand luggage one that had some clothes and some other stuff and a guy found it managed to eventually get hold of us and we got it back from him um, and we went to his house and it was in this, it was surrounded by this incredible garden where um he was growing all sorts of stuff and he was just like giving us the tour and showing us all this stuff and he also showed us the miracle fruit which is the one that like makes your changes your taste buds so that sour stuff tastes sweet which is incredible. Oh, wow. But he's just pulling all the stuff yeah. on. Here, have a lemon. Here. And he's like, offered me a jackfruit, but it was so big I couldn't even carry it. A jackfruit looks like a massive sandbag. It's so weird. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> right, I was going to okay. take it, but I couldn't I've pick seen, it up. Because I've seen the insides of it before where it looks like almost tiny brains. Like the little individual nuggets of jackfruit yep. look like tiny brains. That's what they'd have in them, the new woke version of Indiana Jones. And the Temple of Doom, they'd be eating jackfruit well, instead of monkey brains. Instead of, yeah. They'd be eating jackfruit, and then the character who like is disgusted by it is is a is a one of those horrible conservatives. Oh, who don't like vegan food? They're demanding the monkey brain. Yeah, they don't want any of this work nonsense. 
that that's uh, I mean Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Can I say something controversial? What? It's probably my favorite Indiana Jones movie, but then I conflicted because it's also the most racist Indiana <laughs> Jones movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um I I really enjoy it because it has that darker horrible element to it. Um and the adventure feels that much stronger because of it, but then it is also <laughs> unbelievably racist. I haven't um, seen it in a long time, but I have a feeling that it would be an uncomfortable watch. Yeah, yeah. I think I've not seen it in a while. Are they on anything? Are they on? Are they, was was Indiana Jones something that's now owned by Disney? Probably. I don't know. Was it Lucasfilm who made Indiana Jones? I think it was. You know. Yeah. But I'm not so sure. it's probably fallen under under Pisnep. To, yeah. to use the correct pronunciation. I thought it was Giznap. Giznap. Walt Giznap. Yeah. Walt Giznap. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen that they're making the new Indiana Jones? Are they? It's out this year. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, it's called. Dial, as in like a sundial. Yes, and I assume it is some kind of sundial, not him not calling someone him. on his cell phone. <laughs> Old man Harrison Ford trying to use a dial-up internet connection. That's the <laughs> film that I want. <laughs> he's using one of the rotary phones <laughs> in the Dial of Destiny. Oh, that is a um, bad title. I do not believe that our man from the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is returning, thankfully. Um, little Shia LaBeouf. I thought they got rid of all the Crystal Space Zombies, but they could bring him back. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it. Okay. Uh, Antonio Banderas is in it, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, and Mads Mikkelsen is in it as well. I love Antonio Banderas so much that I would willingly watch those spin-off Shrek movies just to hear his voice. Well, I apparently, but... apparently the new Puss in Boots film is amazing. Yes. Have I, you heard I saw a, um, like a review at a bunch of social media stuff saying it's like better than any of the Shrek films. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen some clips of it and genuinely... <laughs> It seems as though they've really taken on board lots of really creative um, animation and things like that, which is really impressive. Okay, well, this um, this September, let's do a swash timber again, and let's do the Puss in Boots films. Then. Yeah, yeah, that that's good. We can do. How many have they done now? Puss in Boots specific films? Are there, surely there aren't three. Surely you couldn't get three films out of that. Well, we've got Puss in Boots, the new one. Puss in Boots, um, the old one. <laughs> okay, I think we do have, we do have some. We've also got a TV series called The Adventures of Puss in Boots. All right, well there you go. No, we so don't watch got... TV though. I don't watch TV. <laughs> TV is for nerds. I only watch films and read books because I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, so we've got we've got Puss in Boots 2011, and then we've got Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, which is the new one. Okay. Which is about him getting a new life, I believe, because he's run out of his nine lives. That makes sense. Um, which, which, yeah, which would be good. Um, we could maybe, I'm sure there's some some short films he's done and things like that. Apparently it is, a, it is on Netflix. Oh, well, there we go. Adventures of Puss in Boots, the TV series. That's our September sorted. It does not seem as though... Um, Antonio Banderas voices him in oh, the what? TV series. Oh, we can't watch that then. It is Eric Bowser, not spelled oh, like the lizard. 
um, who <laughs> I voices you were say Eric Banner. I was going, that's that's <laughs> that that's a si- very much a sideways step. Yeah, yeah. Um, voices many um, uh, Looney Tunes characters. Oh yes, in, that's in right. Um, so he could be he could be a, a suitable alternative to to Mr. Banderas. Okay, well, I'm open to it, but I also yeah. don't watch TV. Yeah, equally, I don't want to watch the entirety of a Puss in Boots animated TV show. <laughs> so there are better things I, to talk about, like old films with women playing baseball in them. Yes. Speaking of which, we watched a film about women playing baseball in the war. Because war's bad, yeah. Because war is bad, but baseball. Baseball is good. So who's to say <laughs> whether war is truly bad if it got us baseball? There's no difference between good and bad things. <laughs> um, so this so, week's movie... A League of Their Own, 1992. Yeah. You had not seen this before. I, I had, had seen not this seen before. this before. Um, what did you think? I very much enjoyed it. As someone who... I, I'm not a big fan of baseball, but I think I've said to you before that I reviewed a baseball game, and off the back of that, I was lazily putting on baseball games on YouTube in the background whilst I was doing other things and found it very relaxing. Yeah. Um, in a way that cr- cricket isn't, but baseball is, weirdly. I'm not sure. I think it's something to do with the, the ambiance of a of a baseball game is very different. Yeah. Um, it's like a siesta in sports form. Yeah, Whereas so. cricket is like that anxious feeling you get on a Sunday afternoon when you're lazy but you're dreading the week ahead. Yeah, you've got to iron your shirts. Who irons a sh- Do you iron your shirts these I days? D- I do if I'm going into the office. Oh, but, I do yeah. not. <laughs> I've, I've given up entirely on ironing. It's very freeing. I don't care if I look scruffy if I do see people in person. Yeah. They just have to accept that of me now. Yeah, well, those those of us who go into an office and see lots of people reg- regularly, it's kind of part of my thing now. And sometimes ironing can be good. It's so boring that like I actually sometimes have good thoughts while I'm while I'm ironing. You can you can dream. Yeah, use exactly. it as a mindfulness moment of ironing. And- exactly. Yes. Yeah, and and baseball is similar. What I'm saying is basically baseball and ironing are the same thing. <laughs> so they should have made a two-hour film about women ironing during the war. That wouldn't have been sexist at all. That would definitely not have been sexist. <laughs> but this, um, this, this movie is about baseball, which you're a fan of, and it did. Has this formed a part of your love of baseball? Do you think? Yes and no. I actually I hadn't seen it until I was already quite into baseball. I, so I hadn't seen it until about three or four years ago. Um, so it wasn't something that would, like was a big part of the journey for me. But um, I think I saw it at the right time where I was like really, really into it and just really passionate. And then it was just a great example of a great film telling a great story about this thing that I love. Um, and that has, you know, layers to it as well. So it, it did hit me at a, a good point, I think, but it didn't f- help formulate my fandom in the way that like The Simpsons did or like Peanuts comics did, all those things in American popular culture that I grew up with that made me interested kind of in baseball. And then when I eventually decided to look into it, I, I found that it was the right sport for me. Right, okay, that's interesting. But it did, it, since you've taken up the love of baseball, it's become a a favorite of yours. Yeah, it's become. I, I I watched it and I was instantly like, "This is one of my favorite films." Would be in my top ten for sure. Brilliant, brilliant. 
and I, I don't think I put it in my top 10, but I did really enjoy it. And it's got that, it's got that early 90s gravitas to a film, which you don't get anymore. Yeah. I was thinking that so much in relation to the score as well, which is so good. We'll talk about everything else, but the score is just perfect, it's, isn't it? It's like our every man. moment. It's old Zimmer. Yeah, and you you can tell, can't you? You can tell there's so much that comes after this with Hans Zimmer, where you're like, wow, he was just building up to that. But that, yeah, it's, it's just perfect. It's sad when it needs to be sad. It has the kind of twinkling piano. It has the soft synths, it's kind of that's still the kind of the tail end of the '80s, maybe when they started making it. I don't know, or kind of it's 1992 it came out, so there's still I think a little bit of that left over from all the kind of soft synths in the background of any emotional scene in an '80s film that are deployed in just the right way here. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's still got that kind of vibe to it. Um, but also, I think, you know, there, there are these tinges of 80s-ness throughout. In, and and, and when, when we think about, like, decades in film, there's not a clear, immediate drop-off into something else, is there? No. Have you seen Field of Dreams? No, that's the, that's the Kevin Costner one. If you, that's the Kevin Costner baseball one. If you base it, they will come. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> if exactly. You, if you baseball, they will baseball. Well, that came out in 1989, and um, the the score to that is not by Hans Zimmer; it's by James Horner, but it's kind of similar. And yeah, there's a through line, sort of thematically and aesthetically, from this to a league of their own. Does he use lots of Horner instruments in his scores? Oh yeah, it's a very horny score. <laughs> um, but it's I, I yeah, but but beyond sort of the score and everything, there there is this sense of like. This is a movie made by people acting and who really gave a damn about the film for what is, you know, this isn't a bombastic, outrageous action movie. This isn't Michael Bay's A League of Their Own. Michael Bay's A League of Their Own. Um, it is a, the, the most exciting thing that happens in this movie is a kid covers the eyes of a bus driver and the bus yeah. has to pull over. I think um, it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> um, but instead, it's driven by these really strong performances and a really strong script, and people genuinely putting in incredibly heartfelt performances, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, yeah. I'm, it's really and maybe that's something. That. There's something in the fact that we're watching this right after watching Valentine's Day, which I think c- contained no acting whatsoever at any point. <laughs> There's a difference between reading your lines and acting, isn't there? Yeah, certainly not not from Ashton Kutcher, anyway. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think shall we, shall we talk a little bit about the performances and the characters? Then, do, yeah. do people need to know what the what the plot of this is? Maybe. The, yeah. Funnily enough, there's a new um, like spin-off series that's on Amazon that's just come out of this um, that I haven't seen, which apparently is very good. So people might have seen adverts for that, maybe. I think it's slightly flown under the radar. Um, but I don't know how well-known this film is. I think people have generally kind of vaguely probably heard of it, but probably actually don't really know what it's about. And especially if you're, you're thinking A League of Their Own is a lousy game show, then we definitely definitely needs explaining. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So, um, basically, there was a war once. You might have heard of it. You it probably was, haven't. It was. Called, it never really gets mentioned. It was called World Not War in this country, II, anyway. or World War Two, more commonly known. And what happened was, um, the 
Major League Baseball, MLB, as it's known by you baseball heads. I know that's what you go. You go, oh, I'm going to go watch some MLB. Lovely um, some MLB. They were going to get shut down during World War II because all of the men were off killing each other and shooting Nazis, which is something that everyone should do. You heard it yep. here first. Big Boys <laughs> approves of Nazis dying. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but what happens is... Um, they decide to uh, set up a women's league instead. And this is the story of the female baseball players and their journey to uh, fandom and success and difficulty and challenging sexism and challenging, you know, gender stereotypes and challenging Tom Hanks. And <laughs> Which everyone should do. <laughs> Especially now, <laughs> even more so now than in 1992. If you see Tom Tom Hanks, challenge him, and I'll leave what that challenge looks like up to you. He likes a you know why? challenge. He's why? Because he's white. <laughs> he's white. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he loves a challenge. Does Does Tom Hanks? You come up to him and you go, right, let's arm wrestle, or you ask him, I want you to name five famous people from Luxembourg. And yeah. he loves that kind of thing. Yeah, or just name a woman, you know. <laughs> Do the Billy on the street. <laughs> name a woman. Name any woman. <laughs> I love that. Really you know what? I, I will say that I think Tom Hanks does like a challenge in his roles. And even though I think his performance in Elvis is completely ridiculous, he's willing to take on that challenge. And I will say that that is a good thing. I'm not going to lie. I would not have enjoyed Elvis anywhere near as much if Tom Hanks wasn't the exact performance that he is in that film no absolutely i i like tom hanks and the one thing yeah, that I, the one thing that i do really miss about tom hanks is sassy cheeky tom hanks from the early days because that's not something that he does as much these days but you think about sort of um you know those those earlier roles in movies like the money pit or big or this um and then you think of the more sort of like um you know obviously he had more serious roles like philadelphia and things like that but then yeah. you, you think about the sort of more um more sort of sassy performances as he got older those more sort of um you know sardonic performances like in you've got mail yeah that's um, a great one but now he does more you know um What's what's it called? The 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 one that's all about time. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas, yeah. You know, you've got stuff like Cloud Atlas, you've got um Captain Phillips, you've got Sully. Um you've Both got... of those are men on boats. <laughs> He's all about the boats these days. Yeah. Um you... He was also a man on a boat in Sleepless in Seattle as well, that's but the boat tr- didn't move. <laughs> that's true. It's true. He loves a boat. Um, whereas, and, and he's, he's Geppetto in the new Pinocchio, isn't he? Mm. Um, whereas I'd, I'd like him. That's the bad one. There are two new Pinocchios, aren't they? Aren't there? That's the bad one. Yes. That is the Robert Zemeckis terrifying CGI monstrosity one, as opposed to the That's really right. interesting looking Guillermo del Toro one. Which apparently is very Which good. apparently is amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and and Tom Hanks, he he is um, a friend of Zemeckis, isn't he? He's he's always <laughs> sounds he like crops up in Zemeckis. Sounds well, like something he? you'd say to be let into like a really shady bar to go and do a drug deal. <laughs> you knock on the door three times in quick succession, and then the the, the little window hole opens and say, "Yeah, it's like I'm a friend of Zemeckis." Yeah, Zemeckis, and then, and then the door opens and they let you in, and it's like, right, we've got we've got five keys of cocaine and you've got to go and sit here whilst we take a scan of your face to make a CGI monstrosity. <laughs> that sounds like a good film. <laughs> I would watch that. I'd, I'd watch that. One thing I don't know is why has Robert Zemeckis not taken his talents for making horrifying CGI monsters and made something like a Lawnmower Man remake? Which, do you know, do you mm. know Lawnmower Man? I've never seen oh, it, but it's um, Pierce Brosnan, yeah. isn't it? Pierce Brosnan and virtual reality and a monkey escaping and trying to kill people. That's the intro scene. There's a monkey that escapes and tries to kill people and then it gets shot with a machine gun. Truly amazing. Lawnmower Man. That just sounds like a like a forgotten SNES game. <laughs> I think they did make a video game of Lawnmower Man as well, which is extremely weird because genuinely the least video gamey movie you'd ever ever watch in your uh, you'd ever you'd ever see. Um, but <laughs> how, how did I get onto this? Oh yeah, Tom Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I miss those kind of it's cheeky. One of the big stars. Yeah, I miss those kind of cheeky performances, and this is one of those great Tom Hanks cheeky performances where you can you can really sense that sardonic sort of eye roll through his performance here i also feel like at this point in his career like now he's just doing whatever the hell he wants but he's doing that in a good way and not in a robert de niro way (laughs) i think that's true i think that's you're not gonna see tom hanks in a bread advert are you no i wonder if i wonder if we'll ever reach that point Maybe I wouldn't put it past him to do anything, and I think that's a good thing. But yeah, this is the like this is a classic Hanks mm, performance, yeah. isn't it? It's one that he is well known for amongst all of the others, and this film followed big as well. Same director, much of the same crew, and on the poster, if you go on the, the Wikipedia page for this film, there's a poster, and it says "From the team that brought you big," which is you know a good sign, and it's got <laughs> three like baseball cards mucked up: Gina Davis. Tom Hanks and Madonna, which I think tells you a lot about where where things were at in 1992. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because Madonna's in this film. She's in like three scenes. She gets very little screen time and isn't a big character, but they're like, put her on the poster because it's Madonna. Yeah. No offence to Madonna, of course. Her performance is mid. Actually, yeah, but, I, I enjoyed her in this movie. She's got that kind of... I mean, this is probably the best Madonna acting performance what else career. has she been in? Not very much that's been very good. She was in a Guy Ritchie movie, wasn't she? Oh, she was married to him for a while, yes. so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think she was in much that was good. She has a sort of cameo-ish performance in Die Another Day, which she did the, that's right, the song for. Which for. She did the song, yeah. Um, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. <laughs> Exactly, exactly right. Um, yeah, so she did a little bit of, of. Was she in the movie version of Evita as well, or did I? Yes, was that a fever right. dream, which apparently everybody loved, but I don't know if no, I've ever I seen think it. She is. I've, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, so yeah, so she's been in been in bits and bobs over the years, but actually, I enjoyed her in this. She was fun, and she had that. It was cheeky. Yeah, she had that cheekiness to her character. She threatens to murder a child with a baseball bat and was fully behind <laughs> that decision because that child is awful. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so yeah, I, I enjoyed her in this. I wasn't sure what she's to think She's in there also mostly to bounce off Rosie O'Donnell, which is yes. always good. There's also another person who I only know because she was mocked on The Simpsons. <laughs> the only reason you know Rosie O'Donnell. 
and I feel bad that I haven't seen more of her work. Yes, yeah. Um, so, so you did mention that this was made by some of the same people as Big, and obviously directed by uh, Penny Marshall. Yeah. Um, who had a was also Bewitched, which we talked about. Um, was was like the producer of Bewitched, I think. That's right. That which was we a talked weird about. Weird one, wasn't which it? Was a very strange movie, which was again directed by another iconic person for you know classic movies of the eighties and nineties in Nora Ephron. That's right. Um, it's really strange that it had these iconic people attached. to when it was such a weird film um but but yeah in in terms of other stuff um we also had um uh riding in cars with boys i've which, not seen that which i've Is not that the jerry seen. seinfeld thing um the drew barrymore oh okay. um, it was the last That's film it. that she she directed um which has middling middling reviews but was is has a kind of cult following um, based on a book about people who ride in cars with boys, I assume. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, so so a really a really varied and interesting career. But you, you know, you think about um, you think about big, you think about a league of their own. You know, those are two really big hitters. I'm amazed that I'd never seen this before because it does have such a really strong, um, you know, cultural sort of impact around it doesn't it yeah and you know great team behind it great great score great cast as well so you know it's it it's firing on all cylinders isn't it yes yeah absolutely absolutely um is its representation of baseball accurate as yes. our go-to baseball yeah ab- baseball. absolutely it it's it's all accurate it's all good i don't know if they all did their own stunts but the baseball scenes are really good they're electrifying do Were they you, fun to watch for you as someone who you know, I mean, you've seen a fair amount of baseball? Did it all look good to you? It looked suitably baseball-y. It all happened within less than seven hours, which made an improvement on regular baseball. Whilst also being cinematic? Yes. Because that's um, the most important thing, that it's cinematic. It doesn't really matter if it's accurate or not, as long as it's telling a good story and it's a good film. I saw that there was a hot dog, which seems like it is accurate to baseball, which seems to be predominantly about hot dogs and nachos. Yeah, it's it's hot dogs first and baseball's second. Yeah, okay, it's hot dogs, nachos, beers, those beer hats. Sometimes hatchos, and... <laughs> which is nachos in a, an upturned baseball cap. Ah, hatchos. That seems like a waste of a baseball cap. Unless no, you... you can wear it afterwards. But what about you just have to the, clean it? I was going to say, what about the salsa or the nacho cheese? You know, you're going to have to take it home and clean it, but still. What about making it out of a giant tortilla shell? I think they do do that at some stadiums. Mm, that sounds good. I would do that and then still not wear it, but then eat a hat. And then you're like, if they get a home run now, I'm going to eat my own hat. And then they do. And then you're like, well, I better eat my own hat. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> that specific reason they also sometimes at the the london um games that they had in 2019 that me and my dad went to we got ice cream in a little hat but it was like a commemorative plastic hat it wasn't one you could put on your head it was too right, small right oh that's cool have you have you seen footy scram and yes scram I, I don't like football but that is a very very good twitter account i do not like that americans seem to be ruining it 
which seems to be ha- it's become too popular and i'm really unimpressed because they'll look at like a pie with mushy peas for two quid which is obviously scram and they'll go what's that oh and then there'll be like a a, a, a screenshot from a, a, a new york jets game that's like here's some nachos covered in ice cream fifty dollars and they'll go oh my god what's scram and they're ruining it for everybody because it's scram is not just about the quality of the food it's about the amount of carbs and fat you can stuff into your face on a freezing night in Stoke-on-Trent <laughs> to give you the sustenance to survive a dreadful game of football. You can tell that as, as well, because I think recently it's been posting some really grim examples of just horrible food, like yeah. chicken burger, just like a horrible grey chicken burger in a bun with no sauce or anything else I saw today. Five quid at Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> and they always do the poll is it scran or no scran 90 percent no scran yeah and that's true that is a zero scran the the best thing of footy scran is when it shows the german food which is always amazing and always cheap yeah like, you, you get some like oh. delicious curry verse i've got that in front of me right now a giant Four sausage euros. in a bun for like two euros it's amazing i love a curry worst which yeah or, or like the the korean or japanese football clubs doing like amazing bento boxes for for decent value yeah um very yeah, much done with that too, too many american clubs putting horrible massively expensive stuff up there i'm not a fan no and i i, I love all the baseball food culture as well but I, I think there's it's very very different to football you want a doner kebab meat pie with chili sauce in a roll with a load of chips and gravy that's been stuffed into a giant loaf of bread for five pound fifty with a pint, I'd eat to that. help you to help you get through the latest <laughs> Plymouth nil nil draw. That's what footy scran is all about. Oh, football is so bad. Just <laughs> <laughs> is there anything as as kind of drab and disappointing as the nil nil draw? <laughs> But that... In baseball, if nobody scores, they just carry on. I really recommend a book, um, which is called Bottom of the 33rd, I think it is, about a game that literally went on for 33 innings, and it was like it was like a 24-hour game or something. Amazing. Yeah. There's a really, really good book about it, and how they yeah some of the players just kept on going. It's end of the inning, no score, carry on, and they were there all night. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's part of the majesty of football, is that... It's got football culture is really different from any other kind of sports culture because it really does have that um that attachment to really small teams and really small you know population groups around the country in what is sorry sorry people who are really nationalistic and patriotic we're a, we're a tiny place Britain it's so small you look at a world map with tiny tiny mm-hmm. place but then, I got my son a globe recently because he's been asking about the world and trying to show him where we live. It's like the tiniest little yeah. speck. <laughs> yeah, we're just a little speck. But then, like, you've got all of these football clubs everywhere, and you're like, you're down in, you know, eight nine leagues below the Premier League, and you've still got people going along to watch those matches for absolutely dire sport. And that's the kind of thing that you know, even if you don't enjoy football, there's something really great about it. Yeah, my granddad, who is in his late 80s, him and his brother, they go to watch the Bogner Rocks every week. Mm. And like Bogner Regis, that is a tiny, tiny club with a tiny, tiny thing. And they have fans. They know all the players. They're like, it's, yeah, it's that side of it is lovely. 
I just find it really, really dull to watch. And there are aspects of the culture I cannot stand, but that side of it is lovely. Yeah, it, the, the the higher up the leagues you get, the more obnoxious football gets. And I think that's the big problem. Every every club should have a maximum capacity of 1,000 people. That's That's where football should be. And then it would be the perfect sport. So that's the thing about baseball. It's like obnoxiously boring at every level. <laughs> There's that consistency. You know what you're getting with, with baseball. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but no, to answer to answer your question 10 minutes later, yes, the baseball, the depiction of baseball is very, very accurate. But I think you don't need to know anything about baseball to enjoy this film, do you? No, no. You get the sport stuff that's going on and equally a lot of it is about that historical moment in time and it's about the characters as well so actually it's not it is a baseball movie but it's predominantly a people movie which is what your movies should be if they're sports based yeah absolutely it's you know they they managed to tie everything to the to the sports in in the right way don't they which is how you do a sports movie properly yeah absolutely absolutely um one thing i need to bring up is Gina Davis is amazing. Yeah. As she is in everything. Fantastic. Top notch performance. She's brilliant. She is. I think the way that her career is treated in Hollywood is one of the biggest travesties of sexism in Hollywood because mm. you look at what happened to her career after one failure and one middling success was then basically cut out of Hollywood entirely. Um, when actually she's one of the most charismatic performers of the 80s and 90s. I mean, you look at... I mean, we, we've talked about The Fly here before, yep. how great that is. You think about Beetlejuice as well. Never seen um, that. That's one a bit like Labyrinth that people love, isn't it? That I'm probably going to hate. It. Well, you didn't hate Labyrinth. Oh, it's Tim Burton, though. But it is the first Tim Burton. Mm. I'm very sceptical about that. Well, you know what? We're watching Beetlejuice next. Screw oh, it. I'm you. I thought it was a Halloween film. <laughs> it is a Halloween film. You're not going to wait till Halloween. But I don't care. It's going to be. I was going to give you another Gina Davis movie instead. Um, I was going to give you Cutthroat Island. Okay. Maybe, you know what? Actually, maybe I will give you Cutthroat Island next. Ooh, Screw it. I've not heard of this. This looks like a swashbuckler. It is a swashbuckler. We're going to do a swashbuckler before swashbuckler month. This is our little aperitif. Oh, is that Matthew Modine? It is indeed. It's one of the biggest... Uncle Man from Stranger Things. <laughs> it's one of the biggest box office bombs of all time and helped sink Carolco Pictures, who made movies like Rambo, Total Recall and Terminator 2. Oh, fantastic. Um, but it is a movie that I seem to remember enjoying when I watched it as a child. All and right. it's, the, it's one of the two movies that, that sank Gina Davis's career alongside sexism in Hollywood. Right, okay, well I'm very, very up for watching that. So Listed in can... the Guinness World Records as the biggest box office bomb of all time and significantly reduced the bankability and Hollywood production of pirate-themed films until 2003's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it, it killed pirate <laughs> movies until Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, cost 100 million, made back 10 million. If only it had killed them forever. <laughs> That to be fair, <laughs> the first Pirates of the Caribbean is an enjoyable romp. It's the rest of them can die. <laughs> I can Awful think films. of at least twenty other more enjoyable romps. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's still it's still an enjoyable thing. I just wish that Johnny Depp wasn't in it. 
um he is insufferable even in that first film yes captain jack sparrow where's the rum oh i'm <laughs> keith richards but i'm a pirate isn't that fun bring me that Ooh. horizon yeah give me give me that boat <laughs> i want that gold <laughs> That's watch. our summary of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, we sh- we should watch it. For we this, should watch. We? we should watch all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies one month. We could do a Pirates of the Caribbean month. <laughs> I will do that only for Jeffrey Rush <laughs> and nobody else. So one interesting thing, I think maybe we should do. I know that we're already in March, but I wonder if we could do a Carol Co Pictures month. What else did they make? Well, they've made. Um, all sorts over the years um but the main reason total recall the main reason i want us to do it is that there was two movies they released in 1995 which destroyed them um it was cutthroat island and showgirls which do you know the movie showgirls i feel like i've seen half of that when it was on tv once (laughs) maybe I think we really need to watch Showgirls at some point as well. Um, so I wonder if maybe we could do a make March Carol Co. pictures. Or maybe I'll just pick Showgirls at another time. I think it's something we do need to watch at some point. Okay. We've um, never done a theme on that basis before, have we? Like, no, from the studio. That's no. not a bad idea. No. I'll, 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 think, about, I'll think about another... Um, a, oh, they made the a, Doors film with Val Kilmer. Yeah, which is oh, which is good. That's good. Which is yeah. good. Yeah, they made lots of really great movies, um, and then got undone by two very bad ones. Well, not bad even. Well, sort I mean, of. Bad. Stargate. Stargate's yeah. good. Yep, Stargate. Basic Instinct is a trash heap, but was successful. Terminator Two. Um, they made the Punisher movie. Um. Yeah, did did all sorts. So, oh, yeah, Melvin can... Gibson's Hamlet. We won't hold that against them. <laughs> Which is, have you ever seen that that Hamlet? Movie? No. It is not as stupid as you want it to be, and therefore is a real failure. It basically follows the plot of the the play, um, and it is set in the medieval era. It's just it's just a pretty straightforward adaptation of Hamlet and you're like, you've got Mel Gibson playing Hamlet. Why did you not like make things explode? <laughs> like you've have you seen the 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 fake trailer for Arnold Schwarzenegger's Hamlet? No. From uh it's from uh what's it called? Last Action Hero. In Last Action Hero, they do a fake trailer for Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Hamlet, and it's truly hilarious. I'll find it and, and send it to you in a link. Um, <laughs> sounds so much like a granddad, then. I'll, I'll send it to you in a link. I will send you a carrier um, pigeon. Which, again, was my Keir, my Keir Starmer voice. <laughs> Just, you can't stop. We can't go a week without doing the Keir I Starmer can't, voice. I, I don't mean it to be... a a Keir Starmer voice but he is that voice the voice that I use to be an annoying nerd who loves Um, books I love books my favourite book is the unofficial biography of the stereophonics (laughs) it goes into the entire history of the stereophonics from their early days in Wales to the bartender and the thief to Mr. Writer to handbags and glad rags and I have to say, it was riveting from start to finish. 
Um, I picked it up in a charity shop. It only cost me one ninety nine. I did not take it back to the charity shop. It sits prominently on my bookcase next to a history of neoliberal economics by <laughs> Dr. Farts a lot. Um, <laughs> There's a real, real, real interjection there from Keir Starmer. He keeps coming on our show. He keeps. He he loves it. He loves it. He doesn't love romantic comedies. He doesn't really love movies, but he does love talking about the stereophonics. And who are we to stop him from doing that? No, this um, is just going to become a podcast where he talks about the stereophonics. <laughs> the, the 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 yeah the the Keir Keiriophonics cast. Um, I've sent you a link to the um to the to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Hamlet. Um, but Thank yeah, we'll, we'll come up. That. We'll we'll come up with pick pick a. I'll 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 pick Cutthroat Island and and um Showgirls, and you pick another one or two from Carol Co that you like the look of, and we'll do a month of them. All right, good call. Um, but yeah, because that that has managed to make you escape. Um, what was I going to make you watch? Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, he threatened me with that good time. <laughs> it's genuinely really good. It's a great film. Uh, probably Save it for the, Halloween. I'm open yeah. to it in the context of Halloween. But I did, yeah. I did find a a Halloween 2023 movie that we do need to watch this year. Bones and all. No, which heard of that. is a romantic road trip cannibal movie starring our boy Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> okay, I'm open, I'm open um, to that. Sounds. I've heard good things about it. Directed by um, the fella who did um, "Call Me by Your Name." Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I read the book of that. It was good. Um, and, but I never uh, got around to seeing the film. We should talk about that at some point. We should talk about that at some point as well, actually. Um, but yeah, so Bones and All looks amazing and strange. So we'll watch that come come Halloween. Oh, they did. They live. I I've, I have never seen that, but I know I've I feel like I know what it is. It's got Rowdy Roderick Piper in it. <laughs> It yeah. does indeed. Great film. Truly okay, great I, I won't choose now. Have a have a look through and pick a, pick a couple. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, we we got onto this by talking about Gina Danis. D- Gina Gina Danis. <laughs> Gina Gina Davis, who's great in this, really charismatic, the best performance in the movie. Um, although you know Tom Hanks is great, Don Lovitz is great, but Gina Davis is just phenomenal here. John Lovitz, I love so much, and mainly for his voice. Um, and in this, the first time he was on screen, I was like, oh my God, it's that voice. Because he voiced the radio in The Brave Little Toaster. Did you watch that film as a kid? <laughs> no, I've never watched oh, it. We've man. talked about this before. I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I watched that to, uh, over and over and over as a child. It was one of my favorite films. And I, I might watch it again soon, actually. I feel like my son would enjoy that. Um, but um, John Lovett's voice is the radio. And that, to me, is like the most iconic American voice of all time. So when when he when he showed up in this, I was like, "It's you! I love this so much." It's like five minutes in. I'm like, "Yes, I'm in. Sold." It's <laughs> all you need. Yeah. Um, voiced um, all sorts of people in The Simpsons as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, did um, he was the critic in the 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 TV show The Critic that people from The Simpsons tried to make and didn't succeed. That's right. And he's in Rat Race, which is one of my dad's favorite films. Oh, Rat Race. Um, did you know that he? Um, he he hates Andy Dick. Yes, they have had a long running feud, they haven't re- they? <laughs> yeah, they despise one another. Um, so I think it's something to do with Phil Hartman's death, who they were both friends with. Right. Okay. Um, 
and um yeah they got into a fight and they they um they 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 do not like one another and apparently andy dick said i put a hex on you you're gonna die next to him Ooh. which is pleasant that's grim yes um so fuck andy dick we yeah. do not like you. I in mean, fact, cl- clues in does the name. Any, does anybody like Andy Dick? Andrew Dick. The clues in the name. Come on. <laughs> does anyone like him? He's always been an insufferable ass. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he Don doesn't, doesn't have a good reputation. Yeah. Whereas whereas Don Lovitz is is a, is a toaster. No, the radio, not the toaster. He's not the toaster. He's the to- one of the toaster's best friends. Ah, okay. The toaster, the radio, and the electric ba- blanket go on a, um, a cross-country <laughs> journey to to be reunited with their the guy who owns them after they think they've been abandoned. Ah, okay. It's basically okay. Homeward Bound, the incredible journey, but with cute household appliances. I like how you went for Homeward Bound rather than um, Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> so more, more, well, it more, predates more. Toy Story. It does, it does. Doesn't it? Was it the 80s or 90s? I'm going to um, say 89, 90, The Brave Little Toaster. Sorry, we will get back to talking about A League of Their Own, but any opportunity <laughs> to talk about The Brave Little Toaster is is fine by me. There are sequels, but I don't think, I've never seen any of them. Um, 1987, blimey. Okay. Did you know that the director of Brave Little Toaster created or, or, or directed, rather, Little Alvin and the Mini Monks? What is that? It is a film about Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yes, that is. I've literally just looked it up to see what else. Jerry Reese oh, also created many of the visual effects for the cult classic Tron. The most boring <laughs> movie of all time, as we've discussed on this. Podcast I've never seen before. it. Well, I'm going to wait. Make you watch that. Then. Have you? Have you never seen Tron? I've never oh. seen Tron. We should watch no. it. it. It is visually really impressive for 1981, 82, whenever it came out. But yeah. it's, it's well boring, mate. Oh, and he also Sorry, he was an animator friends. on the Black Cauldron, and then went from that to doing the Brave Little Toaster. So, yeah, ah. man has my infinite respect. Extremely good, extremely good. Um, anyway, um, baseball movie, baseball movie. John Lovitz. He's he's not in it for very long. He's only in it for a couple of scenes he's as a, a kind of like the agent who finds the women to play in the baseball league by going around the like softball leagues that are playing during the war. Yes, yeah. He has one of the best lines of dialogue in this movie, which is when he's talking to some guy on a bus. Oh, no, it's on the train. He says, if I had your job, I'd kill myself. Yeah. Which is very funny. Um, one <laughs> question, your job, I'd kill myself. One question for you, Paddy. There's a marriage in this movie. There's a wedding. And at the wedding, they make an arches out of an arch out of baseball bats. Why did we not do that at your wedding? I know. Yeah. I couldn't afford the bats, to be honest. Uh, They're actually quite expensive. Uh, we could have done it with well, baguettes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I made some inquiries as well uh, um, with some bat people, and it turned out they were quiet bat people. <laughs> How did so you never know back I was to going to say that? <laughs> you know, I did that. I did that instead of making a Castlevania joke. So you know, did, I hope you appreciate that. Which, of course, is full of bad people. Yeah, not always. Yeah, quiet. we should have done that at my wedding. Um, but yeah, there's quite a lot of romance in this, isn't there? there? Is, but yeah. I think ultimately, it's a story of sisterly love. Mm, isn't absolutely, it? absolutely. And that's that's the driving sort of relationship here is that love rivalry. Um, acceptance at the end and camaraderie after that friction 
it's the real sort of um the real driving force and that's kind of what keeps you watching from a human level doesn't it yeah so gina davis she's the catcher her sister is a pitcher she gina davis is happy with her life she's ready for her husband to come back from the war she wants to settle down and have kids and whatever her sister wants to make something of herself and they both get selected for this um this women's baseball league and she just kind of goes along because her sister wants to go and she wants to help her and ends up being like the star player so there's this whole narrative of like the sister living in the limelight and that kind of thing but it's never kind of forced upon you, is it? Some I've seen this film referred to as an ensemble cast film, which I don't think is true, but in the same way that like a film like Valentine's Day is an mm. ensemble cast yeah. film. But there is something to be said for all of the different characters who appear and you can relate to and who have their funny moments and for that kind of it plodding along. The, the plot and the pace, it kind of tells the story of the league more than the people story but it's kind of peppered throughout in just the right way and it's paced perfectly that it kind of all runs seamlessly doesn't it yeah absolutely the 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 flow and the pacing of this movie is really good and touching on your point about this isn't an ensemble movie this is just a movie that actually treats its smaller characters with respect and with nuance. And there's a, yeah. di- there's a difference. <laughs> and actually makes them like three-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference between a movie that knows how to write minor characters and a movie that doesn't. And this is a movie that knows how to write them. That doesn't make it an ensemble thing. It's just very well cast, very well paced, very well structured. And the best example of that is the scene where... Um, so right after what well, John Lovitz has picked them up and he's, they, they're on their way to the league and they stop off to go and see another woman playing... Um, I think the character is called Marla, Marla Hooch and she's hitting like inside a sports hall. There's some men watching and catching. And she's obviously like the best hitter that anyone, any of them have ever seen. But John Lovitz won't take her because she's not attractive. And then like the kind of the look on her face and the way she like kind of like cries to her dad who's there, that says so much about her character, doesn't it? In a Absolutely. way that, that that's like the most incredible kind of less is more characterization that a lot of films could take a leaf out of that book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's and and what's more is that that isn't the end of her character journey in the movie. She's the one who gets married and everything like that. Yeah, that's um, the beginning. Whereas, you know, a lot of movies it would just be, you know, I'm thinking of Zack Snyder's <laughs> A League of Their Own here. It would be, she can hit a ball hard and she's not very conventionally attractive. And that's it. And you get like a slow motion whack of the, the ball and then that's it for her character for the entire movie. Yeah. Whereas here... Whereas, you know, you get that relationship with her dad. You get how the other women perceive her, how John Lovitz perceives her. All of that stuff is done just through like a few short words, a few looks, a few really good shots. You know, it's it tell it's cinematically it's perfect as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I was yawning then. That's not to do with what we were saying. I'm just absolutely knackered. Um, hey, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a very long day. and We're at the tail end of a very long week. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. You know, this is, this is just a... I like how competently made this film is. And, and that's the thing. It's it's incredibly competently made, and it's it's really really good. If you were to hold up any kind of example of good cinema, you know, you could hold it against this, and it would it would compare. But that makes it sound like it's very serious, and it, what I think really makes it is that it's not serious all the time, and it knows when to be funny and when to be a bit cheeky. And it's a film that sort of seems tame on the surface, but isn't afraid to be a bit rude when it counts. 
like Tom Hanks taking a very, very long Austin Powers-style piss the first time you see him. I'm so glad it has that scene where he does a long wee. Every movie <laughs> should have a long that. wee scene in it. Doesn't yeah. matter what kind of film. Horror movie? Long wee. Romantic War's bad, comedy. yeah. Long wee. <laughs> War's bad, yeah. Long wee, yeah. Exactly. Beetlejuice? Long wee. <laughs> I assume there's one in there. If not, Tim Burton has already failed me. I think there might be a long wee scene in Beetlejuice. Oh, good. I'm trying to. Then I'm sold. I seem to remember Beetlejuice himself doing a long wee. I might be wrong. You know, the Angry Birds movie has a. (laughs) That has a long wee, exactly. It's a sign Um, of cinema. There's two things. Tom Hanks also tells the umpire he looks like a penis, which is very funny. Every, Every movie needs one of two things it either needs a long wee scene or it needs a man walking around on fire. Those are the two, if your movie has neither of those things, <laughs> then your movie's not a movie. I'm sorry. You don't get one of our Oscars if you don't have one no. of either of those. You'll be shut out of the Academy. <laughs> the Big Boys Academy. The Big Academy. Boys Academy. <laughs> we should take over the Oscars, genuinely. We really should. It'd and it, be very it, good. it won't be based on what movies came out that year. It's just any time in the history of cinema. We'll just no, whatever something. we watched that year. Yeah, it's what we, we did watched. do one year, didn't we? <laughs> we should bring that back. Actually. We should do it again at the we end. Of, at the end of this year, at the end of this year, we should do some big boys awards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say about about this film? Yeah, just a couple of things. I think you know it. It tells a great story of sisterly love. There's <clears throat> the performances are great. Everything about it is great. Um, but I think it deals very well with the sexism of the time as well, without being heavy-handed. You know, it really it portrays things that are just really, really abhorrent, but without it being sort of too too obvious and too mm-hmm. in your face either. I think it it's it's a subtle film in many ways, and it's quite slow. Um, and it's quite long, but it really, really does get to the heart of those things. And it's like you realize at some point, even though it's a story about women, that men are controlling everything. Yeah. And, you know, have those scenes with Walter Harvey, who's based on Philip Wrigley, who's played by Gary Marshall, um, fully enough. Um, and you realize that it's men who are controlling absolutely everything. And it doesn't really make a big deal out of it. But it's it's there and it's very much part of the fabric of the film. And it is a social commentary in that sense as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it does have that context behind it, and it does have that weight behind it. But like you said, it's not um, it's it's not heavy handed with that message. But instead, you get those through roads, don't you? Of yeah. it, of it talking about it in tangential ways. But then the next scene is John Lovitz telling a cow to shut up. You know, it's, it's <laughs> exactly, stuff like that. Exactly. And yeah, I think if you if you really really hate sports movies and like you can't deal with any kind of sports in a movie, it might not be for you. But generally, even if you think you don't like them, there's not loads of sports in it. It doesn't necessarily even revolve around it, even though that's kind of the thread and the narrative hook. You don't see loads of them playing sports. It's about their lives and the stuff they're doing and trying to to be. And I think it deals really well with the war is bad yeah thing as well, because there's one scene where a telegram arrives for one of them to tell them their husbands mm, died. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a really pivotal scene for Tom Hanks's character as well, because the guy like is fumbling around trying to find whose name it is, and Tom Hanks like kicks him out. Um, and then yeah, so that that scene is absolutely brutal. And then like um, Gina Davis's character's husband, his Bill Pullman, is there to just kind of be there, but like he's just going, <laughs> "Hi, I'm I'm Bill Bill Pullman, yeah. Bob Pullman, here. which is my name." I'm Bob. In this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's there to be a Bob, but. You, 
you know, him coming back from the war having been shot by a sniper, you're like, actually, some guys did make it back as well. You know, it, it dealt really well with that without it being overt either. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. It it manages to talk about those very serious things in a way that works with the story that it's also telling, which is really Im- impressive. Yeah, I just think ev- everything about it is good. And if, if you just want like a, a story about people doing good things and having a good time, then here it is, you know? Yeah. You want to see a competently made film? Here it is. You want you want sports drama? Here it is. It's got it's got a little bit of everything. It's got we. Yeah. It's got war is bad. It's got baseball. It's got Gina Davis. Yeah. It's got John Lovett shouting at chickens. <laughs> he says after he he drops them off and he's like turns around to go. He says it's been a thin slice of heaven. I love that. <laughs> Very. I good. think I'm going to try Very saying good. that to people. You need to. Yeah. Let's let's bring some of the lines from this movie into into normal everyday use. Yeah, and also Anne Kuzak was in it. Yes, but yeah. Not as appreciated Kuzak. No, but very good in this. Yeah. Again, as a um, a woman who doesn't know if she's made the team because she can't read, mm. um, and then yeah, which was you know, also literacy being a big problem at the time. You know, there's there's so there's so many layers to this, aren't there? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's it goes into all of those nuances of gender norms at this era and also ongoing from this era in in American society doesn't it yeah of course and it's it's based on a documentary um of the same name which is and you know all of this stuff was real and really happened but it's fictionalized enough for you to just tell a great story it takes a lot of liberties but at the same time i think it's all pretty much true as well and i think the balance between all of that stuff is really good as well they weren't real people but ev- all the story that it tells could be true Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's got it's got layers. It's an onion. It's a <laughs> it's baseball a good, onion. It's yeah, playing baseball with an onion. Yeah, that's what it is. Good. Well, I, I'm really, really glad that you liked it because I, you know, there's always that worry if you say to someone that you really love something and then you get them to watch it and they'd be like, actually, no, it's all right, you know. It's always the worst, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'm looking forward of- to ruining Beetlejuice for you. <laughs> <laughs> we can wait till October for that one. You yeah. can you can possibly ruin Cutthroat Island for me, but I don't remember loving it. I just remember enjoying it, and it had. A, I mean, to be fair, I think I was a kid, and it was a movie with pirates in. It could have been the worst thing in the world, and I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, how are we going to rank this then? Let's see. Well, uh, how many people are on your squad? for the away game on the bus that a kid's going to almost drive into a ditch. Um, I am going to have 15 people in my baseball bus. Very good, very good. I'm going to go higher. I'll give it an 18 out of 20 because it's really, yeah, for me, it's just because baseball is a thing that I love. I think it it really touches on what's good about baseball and kind of the romantic aspects of the game as well. It portrays the game really well, but just tells a just tells a great story, you know, and... It's the kind of film that you, you could watch and just like know that this is good. And there aren't enough of those around, are there? No, absolutely not. How many Especially people... not on this show. <laughs> how many people are in a baseball team? How many, how many people are on a baseball field for one team? Well, not nine players on the field, but you always have more people because you very, very rarely have the same pitcher throughout a game and you always yeah. have to have people on the bench. You can sub people in. 
Yes, yeah. But if you leave the game, you can't come back on. But yeah, like 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 football. Is that how it works in football? If you if you are subbed yeah, out, you, you can't, can't go back. You can't on. go back on again. If right. You're, okay. If, you've, if you're subbed off, makes sense. Um, nine players. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're both breaking regulation. You're breaking regulation by double. Yeah, I've got a double team. I've got two <laughs> people in each place. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, right. So yeah, next shall we do um, Cutthroat Island then? Cutthroat Island. I'm excited about this. I didn't know it existed until t- today. One so of the that's greatest very, very bombs of all time. But let's find out whether it deserves to have bombed. Fantastic. I'm very, very happy with that. Excellent. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We uh, we very much appreciate it, and we hope you enjoyed watching A League of Their Own. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. It's great. Yes, yeah, do watch it. It was a whole lot of fun and a really interesting film uh, to be. All right. Well, well, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's just like a virtual tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. You can email us, BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast.gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to talk about Cutthroat Island. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.